0: listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. Lots to talk about for this particular episode. We have a update on Quan Alexander's, I would say, free agency tour or maybe not so much of a tour, but what's next for the veteran linebacker. We're going to talk about another QB prospect that the Saints interviewed or met with this week, and we'll get to some fan mailbag questions. There's a lot to talk about. You guys love me some really great stuff, and I can't wait to get all into that. But before I do that, just want to remind you guys with the NBA playoffs in full swing, especially with the Pelicans playing right now, um, you can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win any game from their first-round series. And if they win, you get $150 in free bets instantly. Again, you can do that by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code BOOT, which you'll see on the bottom of the screen, all caps B-O-O-T, and when you bet $5 on any NBA team to win, if they win, you get $150 in free bets instantly with Draft uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBER or 1-877-770-STOP. Um, that is for Louisiana. So let's just jump right into everything, guys, and start with Quan Alexander because that has been something that Saints fans were heavily discussing on Twitter, I would say. Um, And like I say all the time, I I like to say I see most of the conversation on Twitter. And if I miss something, I try to get around to it. But that's been a really big, heavy discussion piece for the last, I would say, 12 hours or so. Can the Saints afford to lose Quan Alexander? What should they pay to bring him back? Things of that nature. That's really been um, a big discussion. And for me, it's almost a question that there isn't a great answer to. And I know that really stinks. But when you talk about can the Saints afford to lose Quan Alexander? As a starter, I would probably say I think they can. However, it's not that simple, though, because I think when you look at the Saints linebacker room, you're going to see some issues with it, and you're going to see some issues that would come to the forefront. I think if you do lose a Quan Alexander, albeit there are reasons I am excited for the idea of the Saints kind of going with a full-time role for Pete Warner. So before I get into why I'm a little bit nervous about the idea of them losing Quan Alexander. And, and for those who don't know, he's met with the Jets this week. And there's a lot of sense to be made with that fit, right? Robert Sala being the head coach. Robert Sala coached Quan Alexander in San Francisco. You have that link, and the Jets can use a veteran linebacker. They can use a leader in that building. Lord knows they need one. So it makes a lot of sense on the surface. That said, I think for New Orleans, whether or not Quan comes back, and obviously we hope it's the latter that he does come back, they're ready to give Pete Werner the floor. They're ready to kind of see what this Ohio State linebacker can do in a bigger role. And I think if we look at what he did in, I would say, a more limited role last year, I thought he was solid, particularly in run defense. Uh, he graded out as a 91, which was, I believe, um, the highest among all linebackers um, based on how many snaps they were able to play. And I think that's just you know immensely impressive for a guy as a rookie linebacker. And we know that the Saints, A, struggled with drafting linebackers. That's not really their forte. And B, linebacker's not an easy position to just come in and dominate immediately. You are considered one of the quarterbacks of the defense. So for him to do that, that was impressive. I thought he has under-the-radar athleticism. Uh, there were plays where he'd keep up with Saquon Barkley. There were plays where he'd be able to get after the quarterback in space. So I, I think that Pete's done a good job there. Uh, as for the pass coverage, that's something that people are going to ask about because that is, that is one thing. That you love about Quan, it's that sideline to sideline speed. And when you have that sideline to sideline speed, makes it a little bit easier in terms of being a playmaker in pass coverage. So, how was Pete Werner in that department? They had him graded out as a 29 times that he was targeted. He gave up 21 receptions for 159 yards. So, you may not like the uh, the rate as the the catch rate when someone's targeting, but 159 passing yards. That's really not something that you're going to lose your mind about. Think about if a quarterback throws 29 pass attempts, you're going to hope that they have more than 159 passing yards. So that's the way I would look at it. I wouldn't really worry about that. And again, that's as a rookie, still kind of learning the ropes. And I I thought about that when they drafted him. I know some people were against the pick at the time, and and they quickly turned it around once they saw how well he was playing. I thought Pete Werner did a really good job at Ohio State in terms of playing sound coverage. Everyone's going to love to talk about the fact that Ohio State's linebackers got bullied by Alabama in the national championship game two years ago. But the downside of that would be Alabama put them in such terrible spots. You know, Alabama put them in situations where linebackers had to cover their speedy wideouts. And of course, they were just going to get absolutely dominated in that situation. So I'm not worried about him as a pass um, in terms of pass coverage. I think he'd get better in that. Don't get me wrong. And I do think there are certain things he can do, especially from an athletic standpoint, that Quan Alexander can do. But if you're asking me, you know, Chris, as of this week, it's April. Are you confident with Pete Werner in a full-time starting role? My answer would be a resounding yes. I think he's earned that opportunity. And I think he's going to get that opportunity, which is also why the Saints, maybe there's not as much urgency to re-sign Quan Alexander. However, as I said it before, it isn't as simple as you lose Quan, Pete comes in, and everything's okay, right? There are three things that I think you will lose if Quan Alexander does sign with the Jets. And obviously, wherever Quan goes, I'm going to wish him all the best. If he stays with New Orleans, awesome. If he goes somewhere else, I'm going to want that dude to shine. The first one is the energy. As soon as Quan got traded to the Saints from San Francisco, you saw that. There was that infectious energy, that energy that guys like DeMario Davis and Cam Jordan and others are feeding off of. And you love it. You want to have one of those type of guys where every time he steps on the field, that, that level of energy is taking up a notch, and there are very few who can do it the way he does where it doesn't really affect people's game. I, I think there's some players who come in a little bit too much of an edge, a little bit too much excitement, and they might make a mistake or two that, that ends up being costly. Outside of a bad read on a Miles Sanders touchdown two years ago, I really can't think of a player where I was like, I don't know what the heck Quan Alexander's really doing there. So he brings that energy. He absolutely brings that leadership. This is a player who has been around the league, and everywhere he's been around the league, his teammates have had nothing but good things to say about him. Tampa Bay, they knew it was going to hurt losing him to San Francisco, and they knew it stung when he got hurt. San Francisco, he goes there, immediately successful. That linebacker group starts taking the next step. He misses time. They take a little bit of a step back. He comes back for the playoffs. They make that Super Bowl run. Not saying they made it because of him, but he was a big factor defensively. And he goes to New Orleans. You see him have success in New Orleans right away. You see him immediately gel with DeMario Davis. They were teammates for about a day, and yet you'd watch them, and you're like, man, these guys have been together since, what, 2010? That's what you would think just from watching them. So the leadership is there. The energy, like I said, is there. And I, I think with Quan, it's that third-down capability. That's such a big thing to have for a linebacker. You get that with Quan. And the freakish thing about Quan Alexander is I can make that claim post-Achilles surgery. I would easily make it pre-Achilles injury. And then post-surgery, I was still able to make that claim because week one of this past season, he came out against the Packers, moving from sideline to sideline, making crazy tackles. And I was like, okay, he's legitimately 100%. So, Quan, you know you're going to get a freak athlete who can go sideline to sideline with the best of them. You know you're going to get a three-down linebacker if that's the way you want to play him. I think Quan's best usage is actually mostly on third down. And I think that's the beauty of when you had Quan, Pete, and DeMario, you can kind of pick your spots as to when you use said linebackers. You don't have that luxury if one's out of the picture, obviously. Because Quan, from time to time, does struggle against the run, but he's a freak athlete. Great energy, great leadership. Competitive wise, I mean, you're talking about a guy who tore his Achilles in December. He was ready for the start of the season in September. That's just wild to me. So I think there's so much to miss from Quan Alexander if he does leave. That it would sting. And I think the biggest issue would be, what does the rest of the depth chart look? Like, you know, I, I think a lot of people are today are going to tell you who would you rather have to start, Pete Werner or Quan Alexander. I, I think if you're having that type of debate, I think you're missing the whole point here. I don't think the the conversation should be around that because I think the converse the when you talk about Pete Werner and you talk about Quan Alexander, I, I think the smart football thing to do is go with Pete Werner as your starter. I think it just makes too much sense. You invested a second round pick. And it's not like he looked terrible. Like, for example, you can invest a third round pick in Zach Bond, but just because you invested a third round pick in Zach Bond doesn't mean you have to play Zach Bond because, frankly, when they played Zach Bond, he hasn't looked good. So there's no reason to play him. You invested a second in Pete Werner, but more importantly, Pete Werner looked good in the games that he did play. And that's the reason why you're ready to kind of take that leap of faith. And I think Pete Werner kind of solidified that in that Dolphins game that DeMario Davis had a miss because of COVID. We were so worried about the defense without DeMario. And Pete Warner had his best game as a pro, in my opinion, in that game. And, and I remember watching it. I was like, there are no pros to take from a game that the Saints had nobody out there. But if there was one, that was it. I said it on the pod. I'm pretty sure I tweeted it. And I'll, I'll regurgitate it today. I, I think that was so important. It was a pivotal moment. So I don't think that's a debate we should be having. The debate we should be having is how important is the depth of the linebacker position for the Saints to bring back Quan Alexander. Because, man, if they think it's, it's pivotal and they don't really like how they feel about Caden Ellis or Zach Bond or Andrew Dowell in a bigger role, then you probably got to call Quan and you got to see what's the asking price. And I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. And I don't think it's going to be anything over a year. Personally, what does it take to bring you back in the building? Because if Pete Werner has to miss time, or if DeMario Davis has to miss time, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable. With Quan Alexander stepping in than you would Zach Bond, than you would Caden Ellis. Although I do think Caden Ellis played well in spots, particularly the Patriots game in week three. I think that that's the debate we should be having. Not who's better, Pete Werner or Quan Alexander. How much do you value the depth? And if you value the depth a lot, if you're the Saints, you go back to that drawing table and you figure out what do you need to do to bring in Quan Alexander. But nothing is official yet. He's just He just met with the Jets. No deal is imminent at this time. So before we get worried and start, you know, sounding the alarms about losing Quan, we'll just kind of wait and hear it out. But I do think, it would certainly be a loss. Would it be a monumental loss? I would say no, because I do think that Pete Warner is ready for the he's ready for prime time. Would it be a loss though? And it would hurt in more ways than one. I do think the answer is yes. And I think it would be crazy to think otherwise. So that's kind of where I'm at with Quan Alexander. Let's flip it over to the other side of the football and let's flip it over to a player who hasn't even taken an NFL snap yet. And that's Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. So You know, there's this like long running thing on Twitter. I've noticed that people think I hate Matt Corral because when I talk about quarterbacks, I don't really talk about him. I talk about Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or sometimes Desmond Ritter. Other times, maybe Sam Howell. And then there's, you know, Matt Corral, who I don't really talk about. And part of it's true. I I probably don't talk about him enough when we're talking about this draft class. Uh, but there are some people who've asked me if I hate Matt Corral. I'm like, absolutely not. I've I have i have seen enough of Matt Corral from Ole Miss in terms of watching their games live as they're happening that I didn't really feel like I had to go in there and just completely watch all the game film. Albeit once people started calling me out on, on whether or not uh, I think Corral can go to the Saints. And then once the Saints acquired a first round, another first round pick, I started looking a little bit again. But um yeah, Nick Underhill talk about it today. He he reported that the Saints are gonna meet with Matt Corral. This is, there's two things to it. One, we'll talk about Corral, and what I like about it, what I don't like. But two, and this is the the, for me the most important thing, the Saints are doing a lot of homework on this quarterback class. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I'll get to that in a second, but that excites me. And the reason it excites me, it doesn't mean it excites me because I think the Saints are going to take quarterback. It excites me because when this draft is over, whatever decisions the Saints do make, I will know the time was put in it doesn't mean the decision is going to be right because the only thing that's going to determine that is how these dudes play on Sundays. But I know that the time is being spent the right way. And that's the good thing for me. And I'll get into in-depth in that in just a bit. But with Matt Corral, what are my thoughts on him? I think for starters, the basic here that you need to know, he's an RPO king. I think when you look at what he did at Ole Miss the last two seasons, specifically last year, because I thought what he did last year efficiency-wise was pretty impressive. I don't think that gets talked about enough. When it comes to RPOs and play action, Matt the best that it gets in this year's draft class. That's how I feel about him. I think that is what he does particularly well. I think his release, super nice release. There are certain guys that come out of college and you worry about their release and whether or not that's going to be a problem. And the minute you start having those problems, I get worried because then I start thinking, oh man, are the mechanics broken? Do the mechanics have to get fixed? If the mechanics have to get fixed, is that going to affect how this quarterback plays in a negative way? If not, how long is it going to take to fix that? Matt Corral doesn't have those problems. That's a good thing. I think Matt Corral's a big-time competitor. He's played through injuries. I don't want to get into whether or not he should play in a bowl game. My opinion's always the player should do what's best for the player. That said, Matt Corral came out, said he wanted to play one more game with Ole Miss. Unfortunately, he got hurt in that game. But there is that competitive fire to him. Doesn't mean you're not a competitor if you don't play in a bowl game. I can't make that any more clear. These kids should do what is best for them just like the schools always do what's best for them. So the kids should be able to do what they want to do. That's in their best interest. That said, you can see that fire with Matt Corral. It's there. He is a super competitor. And I love that in a quarterback. You always want that in a quarterback. There are some downsides though, to Matt Corral. that scare me. One of them being his frame. The height is not a worry. Six, two. That's a really good height for a quarterback. A solid height. It's the overall frame though. When these defensive tackles and these defensive ends are hitting you and man, they're putting all their weight on top of you how are you going to hold up? That is a question I do have. And and I have a question for a lot of quarterbacks in that regard, man. You watched Justin Fields last year and you were worried about him. And how does that frame hold up? Same thing with Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson, the guy looks like a pencil in terms of overall frame. So you have those concerns and, and it's not just exclusive to Matt Corral, but it is a concern nonetheless. How is he going to play outside of everything kind of being really perfect in terms of a super uh, QB friendly system and having good weapons at the collegiate level and having a good run game and having a good O line. I I think that's an important thing. I'm not going to knock Matt Corral for playing in lane Kiffin's system. That's lunacy because then I should knock Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and Jalen hurts and soon to be, um, you know, Caleb Williams, any guy that's played in Lincoln Riley system, just because they played under Lincoln Riley. That's stupid. But, the question is, when things aren't perfect, right, and there is more on your plate, how do you adjust to that? I'm curious about that. I think there are certain quarterbacks like a Malik Willis who I've known in terms of you got to take a different approach and you got to go to a different round, and I think there is more on your plate that I feel like, okay, I'm not too worried about them in that regard. I'm curious with Matt Corral. I'm very curious about that. doesn't mean he can't handle it. It's just a question I have because he might very well handle it easily in the NFL, but it's a question that I would have for him. How does he operate outside of being RPO heavy and super play action friendly? That would probably be the biggest question I have because I think when you go all RPO and when you have play action uh, pass game the way Ole Miss did and it worked so well, things aren't always perfect like that in the NFL. They're rarely perfect like that in the NFL. So how do you operate outside of that? That said though, I think he throws a solid deep ball. That's something I have concerns about with guys like Desmond Ritter. I don't have that with Matt Corral. Um, I, I think he is a smart operator. I think that's a big time thing there, but there are concerns. There are there are certainly concerns. I do think though that Matt Corral is a first round pick. Doesn't mean he's an early first round pick. I don't know if I'd say any of these guys are first round pick in terms of early first, but back half of the se- uh, first round, anywhere from hey range eighteen to thirty two, that makes sense. Pittsburgh at twenty, Detroit at thirty two. There are a bunch of teams there in that range that I think like hey, it makes a lot of sense. And for the Saints picking 16, picking 19. You should look at Matt Corral because you want to know what's there because he'll probably be on the board at both picks. And who knows? Maybe you like him enough that one of those picks is Matt Corral. So I am pleased that they're meeting with him. That checks off another quarterback that they've interviewed with. And it's an important one because Matt Corral does have a nice physical skill set. And Matt Corral was a player that I would say about two to three months ago, he was considered QB one. And then I don't, I don't really know where the shift happened that everything went to Malik. I would say the senior bowl kind of maybe signified that and, and rightfully so because Malik put on a show there. But before that, Matt Corral was in talks for, Hey, can he be the number one QB off the board? So saints are doing their homework on the QB class. And I think that you should be happy about that. It doesn't matter if you want James Winston back. It doesn't matter if you don't want Jameis Winston as your starter. If you want him, if you don't want him, none of that should matter for the fact that the saints are doing what they're supposed to do, which is exploring all their options. And I think when there is uncertainty at the quarterback position and you don't have someone on a long-term contract, I think this is what you're supposed to do. And I think the good thing about that is if the Saints do take a quarterback in this year's draft, I want to feel good about who they take in the sense that I know they've done their homework because guess what? They've met with Malik Willis. They've met with Kenny Pickett. They've met with Desmond Ritter. They've met with Sam Howell. They've now met with Mac Corral. They are literally checking off all the boxes in terms of met with that prospect and heard what he had to say. And and we got some info there. That's good. And on the flip side, guess what? If the saints don't take a quarterback, I'm also going to say, I'm totally cool with it. Cause guess what? The saints met all these guys. So if they met all of them and brought them in and went through their terminology and felt like none of them are worth taking relative to the draft spot that they're in, how can you fault a team? They did the homework. You, You really can't. So I think whichever side of the coin you're on, You should just be happy at the end of the day that they're going through these options because this is all you want your team to do. You don't want your team to sit around and not really know what the hell they're doing. And that's how I feel about the Carolina Panthers. I see the Panthers operate and whether it's the Sam Darnold talk or maybe taking Malik Willis or uh, maybe we'll take Kenny Pickett because he was linked to Matt Rule back in college. That team for me is just kind of living on the edge and they're kind of a whatever happens, happens approach. I don't like that. The Saints, on the other hand, I'm, I'm seeing that proactive approach and For a team that has made it very clear they don't currently feel at the moment they have their franchise quarterback, I commend them for doing their homework. And their franchise quarterback could end up being someone in this draft class. It could end up being Jameis Winston. It could end up being neither. There are a lot of options in play. But I feel really good about the fact that they are going through this, and I think that bodes well um, for this NFL draft. Whether or not they take a quarterback, I know that the work went in, and I can live with that. Whatever the results may be, I've said time and time again, I think that the, the draft is a big guessing game. But it's a lot easier to live with the results when the homework's put in. And they have done a lot of homework this year. feels like they've done a lot more, I would say, draft work this year. I'd say the last couple of years. Definitely more than 2020, I'll tell you that much. Because that one, uh, it's a bad draft. We'll leave it at that. But anyway, guys, before we wrap everything up, we got a couple of, not even a couple, we got a lot of mailbag questions to get to. So I put this out on Monday. If you guys do enjoy it, I'm going to make it a weekly thing where I'll just you know tweet out if you have questions, send them to me, and we'll get to them, and we'll talk about them. Uh, so I'll pull up what I thought were, I believe, around 10 to 12 really, really good questions that you guys brought up, um, and I thought they were thought-provoking. And that's why I want to get to them. So let's get to the first one from my man, DJ. He asked, do you think the Saints are, Saints are planning to bring back Quan? Funny enough, he asked me this right before the Jets thing came out. They were joking around about, you know, what what's the odds? You, you tell me this, and then the, the, he gets linked to the Jets. But... I do think that the Saints would want Quan Alexander back. I just think, again, the the Saints are kind of, I would say, predictable operators in the sense that they they operate at a price. If you're over the price, they're out. If you're at the price, they're in. And I think it's that simple sometimes. I think they have a number in mind for Quan Alexander. If Quan wants more than that number, you're probably not seeing Quan back. If Quan wants um, you know, exactly that number and the Saints can meet it, Lon's probably coming back so I, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with that one and and we'll see what happens but um I'd say I feel pretty good there uh from Casey he, he has actually three questions so we'll go down the line here first one do you do the Saints trade up or stay at 16 and 19 I'm gonna say they stay um I talked about this a couple of weeks ago I just don't understand the thought process of you trade to get that ninth 19th pick have 16 to 19 and then the Eagles are almost like your middleman to getting to that ultimate point which is okay we are going to move up again. That I mean, it's possible, and and getting 16 and 19 gives you options, so I'm not going to rule it out. I've just always been under the belief that the Saints want to get two players in this year's draft. I think when you make that trade, you looked around and you looked at the board and you were thinking about how things might shape out, and you're like, hey, I can get two guys for me that I think are going to play a role this year, or maybe one plays a role this year and one plays a bigger role in years to come. But maybe there were, regardless, two positions that you feel like you can attack And that's kind of where I'm at with that one. Second one, why is Kayvon uh, Thibodeau falling? Um, I've heard the the clowning comparisons, people overthinking it. Yeah, that's kind of where I I, I think every year there's going to be a prospect or two that character concerns and and maturity questions come up. And it's fine. Like I think you got to do the homework. You got to go through the background check. And you got to see if this guy is worth investing super early. Because remember with Kayvon, you're taking him in the top five, in my opinion. That said, he's a baller. And I think with him, uh, whatever questions you may have, I still think you have to remember, A, he's still a kid. And B, a lot of the, for me, a lot of it has come off more as arrogance than, oh man, I got to worry about what this guy might do. And I'm okay with my pass rushers being arrogant because they got to get after the quarterback. And they got to make sure that they're in the quarterback's head. And I, I think for teams needing pass rush help, I do not think you should overlook Kayvon. At all, I think you should be considering him with anywhere from the first to the sixth pick. Um, and the reason I go through that range is I think he would make sense for the ja- uh, Jaguars. Albeit, I don't think they're going to take him. I think they might take the kid out of Georgia. or They might take um, Aiden Hutchinson. I think he makes sense for Detroit needing a pass rusher. I think he makes sense for Houston. A, a lot of sense there. Um, I think if the Giants can get their hands on him, they should. So I don't think people should overlook uh, overthink this. Take him in the top five to top seven. He absolutely um, is worth it. And the third question from Casey, any chance Kyle Hamilton lasts to 16 and would the Saints trade up for him? Look, I think there's there's a chance that he could last up to 16. Uh, I think with Kyle Hamilton, you're seeing that slide now because the measurements are not adding up to what I guess the NFL scouts thought they would be. And that happens. It totally happens. But I think if he's there at 16, the Saints are going to have to take him. And I think Kyle Hamilton is a no-brainer top 10 prospect in this year's draft class. And I think if the Saints would get Kyle Hamilton, any concerns you have about the safety position, I think they would be gone. Like that's how good I feel in terms of confidence level about what this kid can be at the next level. Yeah. He's not the fastest safety. So what the instincts are there. The leadership is there. And I don't even think he's going to make it to 16. So I'll be honest with you. It might just be a a useless point to to go in depth on this. Um, But he is a, a really big time playmaker. And I think for new Orleans, I don't know if I trade up for him because you need to invest in other positions as well. I, I don't look at safety as so dire. That's like, all right, get your, you know, get all the way up to 10 and take Kyle Hampton. But if he's there at 16, I'm running to the podium and I'm taking him and I'm feeling really good that I got a top 10 prospect at 16. Good value there from dusty. How are the saints looking on the cap for the next few years? Um, truthfully, man. So you asked this one, I was like, all right, I mean, let's, let's check it out. Cause I knew 2024. They're, they're way in the clear, like a lot of positive money, but that's cause a lot of teams don't have contracts lasting through 2024. Most of the stuff's off the books. That's good news. 2023, though, Saints are going to have some work cut out for them. You do have big cap hits with Cam Jordan and Michael Thomas and Marshawn Latimer and Ryan Ramchek. So it'll be another year of restructuring, figuring out whose contract you want to kick down, uh, kick the can down the road with, who's worth investing more years into. And I'm not worried about that. The Saints have done it two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten 10 years in a row, whatever the hell it might be. They'll make it an 11th year in a row uh, if they have to. So I'm not worried about it. But 2024, uh, to answer that question. That's the golden year in terms of they're out of it. And now everything's kind of full throttle head in terms of being in, in the in the plus for financials. From Felipe, he said he's a fan from Brazil. Would, he like, would I like Sam Howell at pick 19 and which offensive tackle would be a great pick in the second round? So Sam Howell at 19, look, it's funny. If you asked me this a year ago, I'd say, hell yeah. If you asked me now, it's like, okay, I would love to see how the board shapes out. Um, Who is available there? Is, is Kenny Pickett still on the board? Is Malik Willis somehow still on the board? How did the Saints grade Sam Howell relative to Desmond Ritter or um, you know other quarterbacks out there like a Matt Corral? That would be curious to me. I think Sam Howell is better than people give him credit for. I think so much stock's being put into this past season when the reality is when everything was perfect around him, he looked really damn good at UNC two seasons ago and he loses uh, De'Ami Brown, and he loses Javante uh, Javante Williams, and he loses Michael Carter. And shocker, all of a sudden, it takes a little bit for him to get going. And yet I still think he finished the year on a strong note in 2021. So I think Sam Howell is a guy who, at 32 to Detroit, that makes so much sense to me. Whereas I don't know at pick 19 if if that's it. But look, if the Saints do take Sam Howell, I, I think there are traits there that will work. So I wouldn't get so... Um, you know, upset if that ends up being the pick because I, I do think Sam Howell can work in this league. I I ideally though 16 to 19 maybe somewhere else and move up if you can, um, because I think Sam Howell is either gonna be a late first or an early second. But I do think he makes a lot of sense for the Saints in terms of scheme fit. There's a lot of footwork there that that reminds me of Drew Brees in that sense. Obviously, he's not going to be Drew Brees, but there are footwork and measurements there that for me remind me of him with better athleticism. So we'll see what happens there. As for the offensive tackle, I really, really like Tyler Smith from Tulsa. I think that's a guy who, he might not even make it to the second round. Um, I, I've seen everything all over the board with Tyler Smith. Some people I've seen have him in the first round, some people mid-second. He's a mauler, and he's a guy that if you take and you, and you put in the time and you put in the work with the coaching staff, I think he'd develop into a very, very talented player. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens with him there. From Trey, what do you think about Honey Badger going over to New Orleans? And do you think Kyler Murray has a chance of coming here too? I'd say maybe on Honey Badger. I think that comes down to the price, as always. The fact that he hasn't been signed yet. I think every t- every day that goes by that he's not signed, if you're a Saints fan, you should feel a little bit more confident because the, the window's still open. As for Kyler Murray, I think it's a hard no because I do think the Cardinals are going to keep him for this year. If he is up for grabs, though, that is a quarterback that you, you try to trade for. That is a franchise quarterback. But for now, I, I don't think he gets traded, but, but I think it can happen. Here's the next one um, from my guy. His Twitter handle is uh, at Wendizzle. Can you see the Saints trading a first for a wide receiver or going two wide receivers round one? I don't think they're going to trade for one. Uh, the reason I say that is the Saints have done a lot to make sure they are smart with their cap. And I'd find it very odd if they let Marcus Williams go when they could afford him. And they let Teron Armstead go when they could afford him because they were being financially responsible here. And then they just trade a first and get, I don't know, DK Metcalf and pay him 20-something million. That, for me, kind of undoes everything else you did. I, I'm, not, I'm not against the idea because DK Metcalf and Michael Thomas would be freaking awesome, or Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin. That'd be, that'd be really fun, or Michael Thomas and A.J. Brown, whatever it might be. But I, I think out of the two, it would be more likely they go two wide receivers round one. What are the odds that happens? I'm going to say unlikely. Because I I would be happy if one of the the wide receivers that we all really like in in the first round gets to the Saints at 16. For one to get at 16, another get 19, I don't know. Like I I think that there's going to be a run on wide receivers at some point, which leads me to my next question from our good guys uh, at Taking the Over. Over under 5.5 receivers drafted in the first round, I'm going to go over. I think the the no-brainers, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and regardless of what people want to say about his speed, I do think Drake London will be a first-round pick. Then you get into the maybes, but I feel really good about this one. I do think Traylon Burks will be a first-round pick. I think there will be a run. There are wide receiver needy teams, whether it's Kansas City or Green Bay, I think we will go. That gets you to five. And now you're telling me I just need one of Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, or one of my favorites, George Pickens, to get drafted. I think one of them is going to get drafted. I feel really, really good about Watson slipping into the end of the first. I think the Chiefs really like him. I think he makes a lot of sense for them. And you guys know, I think George Pickens should be a first-round pick. Doesn't mean he will be, but I think he should be. Um, so for that, I'm going to say I'm going to say over, which makes sense because taking the over, asks the question. So I'm going to go with the over there uh, on the receivers. Next question is from Jack. Would you rather the Saints trade up from Malik Willis or stay at 16-19 get two key players like a wide receiver and offensive tackle? That's a really tough question. And I think, look, if you believe in Malik Willis, it's so hard to say. I wouldn't want the Saints to trade up for a guy they think can be a franchise quarterback and a special one at that. That said, I do really like the idea of getting two really, really talented players in the building, like a Jamison Williams or a Chris Olave and a Trevor Penning, um, or even um, getting you know some defensive help. I know people don't want to hear this, and everyone gets you know all up in arms about it but even a guy um, like a Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt, like there's talent out there. So I think for me, it depends how much you're trading up for Malik. If you're going all the way to like the five, six range, I think that's an awful lot. And then you got to make sure that you're absolutely certain that this guy's going to be a franchise quarterback. So look, I'm not going to change my opinion. I think 16 and 19 would be the ideal thing of having those two picks. Um, But that is a tough question. It absolutely is a tough question. Next question is from Joseph. What's one position group that doesn't get talked about enough that needs bolstering? I think this one's a no-brainer, and I'm really glad you brought this one up. I would say running back. I think that not enough people are talking about running back. It is absolutely a need for the Saints. I don't care if Alvin Kamara doesn't get suspended. They need another running back in this building to give them some juice. They haven't really had it, I'd say, since the 2018 season. So you want that change of pace back, And there are so many good guys out there in this year's draft class. I listed like 12 or 13 the other day that I'd be thrilled to see New Orleans. And yet there were still a couple more that I didn't mention. So it's a really, uh, really, really deep running back class. Go get one. They need to address this position. And I think it's become an under the radar need that really shouldn't be under the radar because there is a hole there at running back. And that gets me to the next question, which follows up really, really well. Would you be fine with Kenneth Walker being the pick at 49 my answer is a resounding yes. I would be very thrilled with Kenneth Walker on the Saints, him with Alvin Kamara. A, gives you that, that one-two punch that you want. B, addresses another offensive need. You want offensive firepower. Like, I know people always talk about get James' weapons, and, and yes, that is important. Running back is going to count as a weapon. Like, I think we're so hell-bent on fixing the receiving core that you forget about the other positions on offense, but running back and tight end, they got to fix it. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty pleased with, with Kenneth Walker in a Saints uniform. This one's from Patrick. Even if the Saints draft a wide receiver, do you think they sign one in free agency? I'm also going to go yes there. I think after the draft, you're, the market's going to clear up. You don't have to worry about the comp pick formula anymore. So that means guys like Julio Jones and guys like Jarvis Landry and, and uh, Will Fuller and T.Y. Hilton and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and Keelan Cole and Odell Beckham and Adam Humphreys. All those guys are still free agents. All those guys are still out there. I think one of them will go to the New Orleans Saints. And I think that will happen after the NFL draft. And we could come and revisit it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, But I I feel pretty good about that. I think the Saints can still go get a veteran out there that can make a difference. And they'll do it after the NFL draft, as long as the market doesn't, for some reason, skyrocket in the next couple of days, which I don't anticipate. They're not getting a deal now. I don't know what would change their mind to get a deal tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. Next question is from Jeremy. We've got three left here. How would George Pickens fit in the Saints' offense long-term? Does he complement MT well? Um, I think he does. I think the one thing that I really like about um, George Pickens is downfield playmaking. I think the Saints can use that. I think a lot of the best plays you're going to see from him are those jump balls down the field, those 50-50 balls, and that's something that the Saints need. And I think with Michael Thomas, any receiver is really going to fit well with him because he's going to dominate that 10-15-yard to range. And frankly, I, I don't really... You know, there's some people don't want the same player, right? Like I've seen some people say, I don't want Garrett Wilson. He reminds me of Michael Thomas. They don't need another. I would take 15 Michael Thomases if I could. Like that that doesn't bother me. But I do think George Pickens, at least from what I've seen in terms of stretching the field and being able to make those plays downfield, I, I think he would complement them well. And he's so tough and he's so physical. If he's if he was healthy, he would be a no-brainer first-round pick. So I think he would compliment well. And I I would love to see him in the Saints, especially for the long term. This question is from Ben. The Saints do go QB. Which one do you think they're most likely to select? I think Kenny Pickett, I think there's just so much smoke there um, that I'm not going to ignore it. And a lot of it's coming from Kenny Pickett's camp, which kind of makes me think it it is real. Like, the Saints' smoke isn't coming out of them anymore because the leaker was Sean Payton. So for anyone who doesn't know that, right, you're like, why are there not as many leaks anymore? Sean Payton was the leak. So that isn't coming out as much anymore. The smoke's all coming from Kenny Pickett. I would not be surprised if that was a QB if they did select one. And the last question here, this is from Brandon. All great questions, by the way. I appreciate everyone who submitted one. What are your thoughts on the Saints drafting Malik Willis and then a wide receiver like Jameson Williams or Chris Olave to have someone behind Winston? And what do you think the Saints will address at running back? Okay. First part, love it. The Malik Willis, Jameson Williams, or Chris Olave comb- uh, com- uh, combination, that's just great because, A, you are getting a wide receiver for this year that's going to help it. Where it's James- Whether it's Jameson Williams or it's Chris Olave, wide receiver check like you address the biggest need on this team and then you got a guy Malik Willis who I do think needs to sit a year but that is fine J- James Winston can clearly start this season and then you can reassess is is Malik Willis ready or did James Winston play so well that he's the starter long term and now you got to figure it out those are options but i think those are okay options i'm not really worried um about that a lot of people get worried about hey what if you waste that pick you you have to keep taking your shot and if it works it works, and if it doesn't, you got to move on to the next one. So I would be happy about that because you're addressing the future while also helping out the now, um, and I would be big on that. As for running back, there's so many I like. I love Kenneth Walker's game. I really like James Cook from Georgia. Kyron Williams is a do-it-all back in terms of pass protection and catching out of the backfield and and giving you uh, those hard cuts that I think are important to have. Uh, Devontae Price from FIU is someone who's kind of fla- uh, flown under the radar. Deshaun Corbin from Florida State, another guy flying under the radar. I know everyone loves Brian Robinson from Alabama. He's not you know, necessarily my favorite, but he is another guy that Saints can absolutely use. Uh, Brees Hall from Iowa State, probably the best back in this draft class. Um, you also have Isaiah Spiller, another versatile back that you can put out there. Um, there are just so many options that I really don't want to just handcuff myself to one, but the Saints are going to have to get a running back. And I think they will. And I'm excited to see who they add to that backfield to kind of be that, you know, a and B, uh, one-two punch combo for the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be very interesting to see how all that goes down. But it's been very fun, man, talking the Saints mailbag stuff with you guys. If you loved it, we'll do another one next Monday, and we'll kind of make that a, a weekly occurrence um, for you guys. Um, really enjoyed uh, going through the questions that you guys had for me. Um, obviously, if there's something that I didn't hit up and you want me to, to kind of get my thoughts on it, just hit me up, and and I'll get to that uh, for sure on Twitter. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, um, I'll have more content in the very near future. I mean, we are about eight to nine days away from the draft, so man, it's coming up quick, and I'm excited for that. Can't wait to see what. Obviously, I'll have um, you know, I would say ample coverage uh, for the NFL draft, but that's going to do for this particular a uh, particular episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. The destination for the Who? You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.